0: give you points in which you could exchange for that but that's not what it's about it's about how they make me feel yeah it's about what they provide for me and for my family
1: loyalty is kind of that same model if you get it right it's an emotional connection it's not about the system loyalty is about you your culture your people your customers so it's
2: shifting and changing the mentality of the customers so the more you do these things in a short time it may help but long term it's detrimental to that business Welcome to another episode of Tech Bites, where we always try to bring a first perspective to solve your common challenges. Thin margins, high food costs, labor challenges, technology as a whole, and everything in between. Today is no exception. We brought in some well-known leaders from the restaurant industry around the same table to have a conversation in order to address some of these common challenges. Since we're here in Texas and we were able to record this at the Cowboys headquarters, we decided why not. We called it the Cowboys series. We believe that the content will be valuable and we hope that you can take it back, implement it in your own restaurant, elevate your customer experience, and therefore increase your profitability within your business. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the content. All right, so let's let's get into this whole loyalty thing. There's... uh... There's a lot to, to dig in and to go. So um, somebody take, a, take it up. So uh, give us your perspective, Kendall. You start. What's a loyalty and pros, cons, run us through?
0: So, so when I look back at it, the reality of it is convenience is normally gonna get you in the door. But the personalized experience is what keeps you coming back. And there's ways to do that without technology, right? We've all tried to figure that out over the years of how to to work as hard as we can to try to make that person feel special to create that loyal person, that loyal member. Um, But it's hard to do without technology backing that and actually driving all the insight you need to execute on something like that. But, you know, it's not about discounts. Yes, you may be putting out a discount today and you're getting a lot of people utilizing it, right? But... It, it, that's not creating loyalty, that's creating an expectation that I'm going to come visit you when I get a discount. Oh yeah. But when I look at the airline, similar to most conversation, when I look at the airline that I've flown for 15 years straight, and same thing with hotel partner, I don't stay with them or fly with them just because they give me free things. Cause to be honest, they don't give free flights, they don't give free hotel rooms, yeah. they give you points in which you could exchange for that, but that's not what it's about. It's about how they make me feel. It's about what they provide for me and for my family and how they create this experience that I'll never forget, right? But you look at the airline, it was the convenience that got me in the door. I live in Dallas, one of the major players here, it makes sense. So, of course, I'm going to go and try this airline. But how they made me feel and what they try to provide for me is what made me become a loyal member. And now I'll take, you know, two legs if I have to to get somewhere because I'm flying one airline, that's it but it's not because of what they give me it's what they what they how they the make me feel what they provide they create for you right. they know my the, preferences yep. right they they know that sometimes i'll make an error and they're going to take care of it for me right they know where i want to sit if i don't have time to pick a seat they know where to put me like they 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 just know me and so they treat me how i want to be treated it's
1: emotion you have an emotional connection right. to that brand and, and I, I love that because I think that's what we get wrong in the restaurant industry. We, we make it transactional. Right. And we talked about it earlier. We've been thinking about it wrong and transactional for so many fun. It's a personal experience. You go to a restaurant, yeah, I guess you could go because it's fast, convenient, simple, easy, you know, exactly what you want, and you're out. But most people go because there's an emotional tide of food. Right. 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 Like you're not just eating because, I mean, you're eating for fun rather than just fuel. If we were otherwise we would just eat, you know, super super clean and none of us would indulge in anything, yep. right? Loyalty is kind of that same model. If you get it right, it's an emotional connection. Loyalty is a humanistic trait and you're loyal to people because of the emotion of that person, right? Think of in your mind of a relationship you have. You're fiercely loyal to the person that you know because not because they've necessarily given you something, but because you've had this connection with that person, brother, cousin, friend, aunt, Uncle mom, dad, whatever it is. there's a loyalty that runs deep. Right. Brands have the same opportunity in restaurants in particular because it's so enriched of the experience. You're bringing your significant others, you're eating together, you're discussing topics like this is a really like this this ecosystem is very rich of loyalty. but when you make it transactional, when you make it points, when you make it discounts, when you make it promotions, those can help, but they turn it real quick to a transactional relationship. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, you haven't given me enough points or you haven't given me enough um, incentive to come back, so I'm going to wait until you do, right? Or if it's, I know you, we care about you, I'd like to provide a great experience, what else can I do for you to make this experience great? Most of the time, I'm even willing to pay for it. Sure, yeah. 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 Just make it phenomenal and my loyalty runs even deeper. And I think that's where we get it confused a little bit in the industry.
2: Yeah, bending the rules. I think Simon Sinek said something very interesting, actually, to this point that said, you know, the... It was like a airline that somebody tried to skip their group and tried to board early, and the lady just started screaming at her. And it's like, look, I mean, we're not a herd, and you're treating us like a a, a cattle herd. It's a human. It's okay for her to just board two groups early. It's not gonna end the world, right? And not having the ability to, to make these exceptions and using that loyalty information to drive that point to say, hey, yeah, you don't have enough or this or that, but I'm going to make an exception. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Why? Because it matters, right? You matter to us. And a lot of people are missing that and they're just, or, or they have it and they're just don't enable the frontline worker to, to do that. They don't, they take their control away from them so it's like, hey, this is the rule. If you're not here, you're not here, right? Uh, or you know, another example is, I visit this restaurant and they made me wait like 45 minutes in line outside with my mom and she, she can't stand on her leg. And it's like, that is crazy. Okay, first time, no problem. That was a graduation time when we went, we went back in a couple of weeks later, same type of situation. I'm like, look, can I just call and like, join the wait list, et cetera, and just show up when, I, when it's my turn? Nothing out of ordinary. I'm just saying I don't want to wait an hour right here in the restaurant, waste my time. I've got better things that I can do. And the response was no,
1: first come, first serve. How did that make you feel from a loyalty perspective? Are you loyal to that restaurant? No, absolutely not. No. No, it just doesn't make sense
2: at that stage. What? It's like, you know what, I can't. i got to go somewhere else that I can get treated better, that I could just as easily, you know, there was another, a breakfast joint that did the exact same thing. I stopped going there, just period. Went right across the street and literally just no longer had to deal with that, deal with that thorn, inconvenience, right? Whatever you want to call it. This it. helps the solve de- a... De- de- you know, we, we say elevate the experience, but this is completely going the opposite deal. direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: de-elevate yeah, 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 yeah. the experience. <laughs> it helps solve a systemic problem. Cause right now, you know, I am loyal to certain places because of that experience, how they make me feel, but a lot of that is driven by the people, okay? And as you mentioned earlier, as those people leave, sometimes that experience goes, it goes with, with them. Goes with them, yeah. This, and they, this prevents that. So I've, I've talked about this before in, in previous conversations, but you know, there's a breakfast spot near my house. I've been walking my kids there every single Saturday morning for two years straight now. But it's been the same buster that's always at the front door greeting us, playing with my kids, having a you know, fun time. It's the same server that tries to get me every time if he can but for the most part my experience has always been consistent and it makes me go back every single saturday the t- the two core people that have they used to create that experience are now gone and the last 3 times i've gone i have been treated like nothing yeah like, like you've never get been a server. there i they're asking me questions i've already answered a 100 times like I feel like I'm starting over again, and it's not making me want to go back because now my special moment I have with my kids is is interrupted, it's not the same, because the person left, but there was no communication, there was no platform, there was nothing educating the next person what it is that I like and why I love coming here.
1: That's right. And so don't and so I think operations will confuse that. So that's a very specific example, but it's 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 littered across the totality of the industry. Yeah. And and most operators or restaurant will say it's a labor problem. We need to keep those labor people more. Yeah, sure. Everybody wants to keep their labor more engaged and keep their team members right. in, in in their chairs and working. The reality is you're gonna have churn. Right. So how do you inform Mm-hmm. the next set of employees yeah. that will come in with yeah. the right information so they know Kindle, that's right. so that Kindle's experience is consistent. And that's the miss. Everybody keeps looking, no, no, no we just got to change this retention and turnover problem. Like, hey, we've been chasing that since Forever. Forever. <laughs> like, and it's not going to like, <laughs> yeah. go away. It's not going to go away. It's the it industry, and focus on what's gonna but if you can revenue. inform back to the, if you have the right data on your customers and you're able to deliver that to the frontline staff in an appropriate real-time fashion, Now the guest that walks in the door is known by whoever has the oracle in front of them to know who Kendall is. Right, right, right. right.
3: And by the way, that's not just in-person experience. That experience, thoughtfully, should translate throughout all the channels that you engage in, online especially. I mean, yeah. this yeah. is super important.
1: Because your occasions are not just in restaurant. Right. You're right. a total customer. You're a total human. Yep. You have t-ball <laughs> games right. and right. ballet recitals, <laughs> and you have a house full of people, and you have a restaurant experience. And so it's, it's through that totality that totally. it And, and this
3: life. is why, again, coming back to, from a systemization perspective, your, your, your digital interfaces, when they're disconnected, not integrated, in, in, in terms of the actual information flow, the humanized information flow, not the transactional information flow, because we already know that you can integrate orders across systems, but that information that's gonna provide a relevant experience to me when I come in person or online and using that the information thoughtfully, right. um, that's I think that's the the, the the winning formula there. And you guys are, throughout my career, with the different restaurant partners that we've been working with, they always come and say, hey, Mo, you know, could you recommend the loyalty platform? You know, And I'm like, okay, the- first That's first a wrong question to ask. <laughs> that's a wrong question to ask, exactly, because loyalty, we just spent, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes talking about how loyalty is an emotion in terms of what the emotion that you're creating that's making me loyal to your brand or loyal to your people, you can't, you can't track that in a system. So the system, it, you're flipping it the other way around. And the feedback I gave them is like, it's not about the system. Loyalty is about you, your culture, your people, your customer. What, what kind of an experience do you want to create? And only then you can say, all right, what is the information that we need to track to create that experience? And then what platform is out there that's going to make it easy for us to track that not just today, but also they've got the right leadership, the right you know, thought leadership, the, the mindset to be able to be with us throughout that journey for the next 10, 15 years. And to figure it out with you. I think that's one thing that I've
2: seen is the technology companies are so rigid, right? I agree there that to an extent that it's, it's impossible to build everything for everybody, but there has to be cases where you're like, Hey, this just, this makes sense, right? Being able to, to, Expand and collapse based on that need and I think that loyalty program has to be It has to be dynamic. It can't just be like spend a hundred dollars get a hundred points And now a hundred points is worth five dollars and da 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 right? right? It just it just does not it's work. it's
3: it's creating a a Continual yeah. experience whether you're giving away points or dollars at the end of the day. Matter. It's the same yeah. thing Correct. Okay? Right. You're just using different language different nomenclature, right? so and by the way, there's nothing wrong with discounting to get people attracted sure. to Time your place brand. brand. That is an acquisition cost. Right. Okay. But then the, the 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 magic is your tactical approach, your strategy is that okay. Now that we've got Hamid through that, you know, discounting mechanism or whatever right. it mm-hmm. is, what do we need to do to retain him and have him turn and become a loyal? fan right, of sure. our brand and our services, right, right? Right. I believe there's a lot of acquisition
2: channels through the restaurant industry, right? A ton, yeah. all the online order, third-party deliveries, uh, you name them, right? But retention is just not there. So actually to that point, I go to this I only go when they entice me to go, and the only way they 're enticing me, obviously uh, I, don't, I try to limit my sugar intake as much as I can, so if it 's added sugar da da da, I just skip it, even though you know I may love desserts i 'm like, "Hey, you know what? Just a ton of sugar i 'm just going to skip it now, or I won 't go to extra mile, so this place sends me these coupons for these bun cakes and it 's buy one, get one free. Yeah. Buy one for six bucks, get one for six dollars. So now they drop their cost to three dollars, and guess what? They keep doing it, and I only go in when that happens. So am I a profitable customer yeah, to that brand?
1: Know. This is a great, this is a great dialogue because there's margin accretive. So, well, first of all, you got to back up and say people are using acquisition tactics in retention marketing yeah, techniques exactly. and and channels, which is bananas, but it's awesome. what happens, right? And. When you hook hook a guest, and I'll call it a hook, right? When you rent a guest for a, for a moment and bring them into your restaurant and they have a reasonable experience, the intention shouldn't be to go throw the hook back in them and bring them back in to release them again, to hook and release, to hook and release. Yeah. That's stupid, right? It doesn't make any sense. You don't do it fishing. Why would you do it when you're actually trying to get guests? Yeah. Once you hook the fish, the intention is to make a, a school where they can swim and hang out and be a part of it and you can bring them back multiple times with retention, right? right? I think the thing I always struggle with is When you're going to do acquisition-like tactics in a retention model, which let's say it's going to be couponing or some kind of discounting, you should only do it one if you have the lifetime value of your guest or lifetime margin of your guest, and those offers are margin accretive. Anything else is bananas because you're just discounting to get people who you've already put in this proverbial school to come back and purchase when they are now learning that that's the only way they're gonna actually come back, right?
2: And that actually changes the behavior of the customer. So airlines and hotels are notorious for not doing that. They're saying, hey, I will, in fact, I was watching in a, a documentary with, uh, I think it was Hilton and they the CEO said, look, we will let that room go empty right. rather than discount the room exactly. because if we do that, Mo, the platinum member, is going to come in and say, you know what? I'm just not going to book. I'm going to book 30 minutes before. Why? Because I get the room at half price. So it's shifting and changing the mentality of the customer. So the more you do these things, in the short term it may help, but long term it's detrimental to that business. There's
1: one more thing that I wanted to mention (coughs) when you're talking about that is the reason I think some of these people do that acquisition and retention channels, strategies and retention channels, is because their marketing measurement is short-term. It's short-sighted. Did we deploy this, did we get a bump? Yes, do it again. Did we deploy it, did we get a bump?
2: It's like a drug. You get it, is. A it's it's and it's like, It's a heroin like needle yeah. that they yeah. can't get out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But if you look at it long-term, if you knew that guest was already had a history of coming to you and paying full margin, and now you're getting, they're coming more often, but you're cutting that, your margins are getting eroded every single time. The reality is you'll find out really quickly we're not making any money. Sure. Mm -hmm. We're kidding ourselves on this short-term lift, but overall, it's a yo-yo going down a hill, Yeah, right? And that's the problem, is people don't have the identified data because of the POS and having a customer platform or data platform or CRM system or whatever name you want to call it that looks at the guest Mm -hmm. to truly measure what is the value of our guests over, and you can say lifetime, or you can say a year, or you can say three years. But if you know that measurement, you'll quickly identify who do we need to continue to bring in with the hook because they won't come back. Sure. And who can we stop giving away the free stuff and eroding our core product mm-hmm. and just give them a better experience. Right? Sure. right.
3: right. And
1: make, use that money
3: to invest in your retention strategy right. to increase, again, that 20% or 30% to be a higher percentage. I mean, it doesn't mean that you don't stop, you don't invest into your existing customer base, into your fans. You just invest that money more intelligently to create a better experience. So that understanding and slicing that, my wife is great, you know, everyone loves to buy stuff at discount and would you have bought it at full price? If the answer is no, then you shouldn't buy it at discount either. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> now low. it's a better deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: No, I agree. Yeah, and that's how you get into the hoarding thing. But so we've solved a lot of these. <laughs> yeah, you just keep buying because you just thing. yeah. Well, I know. Oh huh? yeah. It's uh, something. You, it sounds like you don't know anything about. I'd like to see the garage, but <laughs> uh, actually, that's a great point. Uh, you know, I I take the opposite approach. So I look at stuff that I have and I own, I'm like, have I used it in the last 12 months? Nope, okay, it's got to go. Yeah,
3: I do that. I do that to right. my closet and yeah. just, yeah. <clears throat> it's <clears> like throat> throat> you need to save money if you didn't need it.
2: Correct, yeah. Just, so yeah, if, you, or if you're not willing to buy because
1: it of because of, it, yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't mean you value the brand anymore. Right, right. exactly. Correct, Yeah, absolutely.
2: So we've solved a lot of these things. So we've already put a lot of these uh, tech pieces in place. We built out uh, so now maybe is a good time to kind of give a backstory of how Milagro came to be. So uh, Kendall and I, uh, you know, back in the days, the, the Genghis Grill days, we started with, we went to Aloha. Yes. I know, yeah, so there's a lot, of, there is a lot of emotions involved when I say Aloha, but excuse the emotions. But anyway, so we went to these guys and said, look, we want to build this thing. We want to build this target that we call the targeted marketing back in 2010. And said we want to build this and etc. And they said no. And they, I mean, they put so they kept building roadblocks in front of us to prevent us from doing that. Why? Because they thought you know maybe we're still in their customers or whatever the case may have been. <clears throat> and then uh, initially we went out and we solved a, a major theft issue and then that led to customer uh, customer surveys feedback etc and then came into this targeted marketing and they just kept building these roadblocks it's like you can't you can't you can't and that POS is the most critical piece of hardware technology in that restaurant and the reason is it has the transactional data Every single one of your customers. So, kind of tying back to that loyalty. I think a lot of people implement their loyalty program, app, whatever they, you want to call it, and they go after these customers. They, they heavily advertise that, et cetera, and they get 10, 15, 20% of customers, but they ignore the other 80%. And it's like, what about the other 80%? So today there are tools like we do this every day. We build that profile of every single customer. We don't focus on just 10, 15%. Why? Because they joined a loyalty. You need to know all of your customers irrespective of them being loyalty members or not, right? Being in that club or not. And that behavior should, there are so many ways to track that now and to to use that, to leverage that information to do that. So, you know, fortunately, we got shut down back in the day because Genghis guys didn't they, they didn't think it was possible to build this. They they said look you're you're underestimating the challenge. Building a POS is, is a huge undertaking and what did we know? I mean we we thought it would be a piece of cake, right? So shut the company down and then fortunately because of that, it allowed the technology to catch up because I think we were way too early. And had we done that, we would have just carbon copied aloha what everybody else did. Everybody else came in and everybody else that started in 2010 till probably 18, 19, all they did is they just, they took the pig, put lipsticks on it and said, oh wow, well, brand new pig, right? So then in 2019, when we started, we decided, look, we're gonna focus on the customer. We're gonna, forget the restaurant owner because they're the easiest part of the equation to solve. Increase revenue or decrease cost. And if you do one or the other, they'll love you. If you do both, then you're a hero. And we decided to start with that. We decided to figure out how do we increase the, the revenue and how do we, the only way to do that was acquisition retention. Get to learn the customer, get to have all that data accessible, and then use that to feed into that CDP platform today, and then use the CDP platform to drive marketing automation, to automate a lot of these tools, to allow that customer to come back, to elevate the experience, and again, as a byproduct, help drive top-line revenue, which then comes back to this next topic, labor issues, food cost problems, and thin margins. Literally every single restaurant owner you talk to will always complain of those three. Um, I'd like to take your feedback on that. So thin margins, high food costs. Everybody's trying to pinch their way out of that food cost and labor issues. And we kind of briefly touched on that. But, Kendall, you can start. So tell me from your perspective, you've been on that side of it. Where where are these coming from? What do you think is the ideal solution there and where do you think that's going to? How do, you, how do you make the most amount of impact to solve these three biggest challenges that they're facing?
0: I think a lot of it comes down to the tools that you can provide, right? The tools and resources you can provide to if you're talking about the labor side of it or food cost side of it, whichever side, it's, it's the resource and education that help people make the right decisions because they have data actually, that actually informs them, right? So every, if you're in the business, you always think your food cost is high and that it could be better. You always think labor is high, it could be better. You always wish you could retain somebody longer. There's all these common factors at the end of the day, and we kind of covered this, at some point, you're going to have to accept that your food cost may just be 30% or your turnover may just be 100%. Maybe that's just what it's going to have to be. But we spend so much time and effort trying to reduce or prevent something that has inevitably been happening now for who knows how long. So is it really something you can fix or is it something that you should embrace and focus on the other factors that make up the difference? So can you drive more revenue? Can you increase profitability? Can you focus on um, you know what menu items are actually selling, and do the breakdowns to understand: Do I need this this inventory item any longer? Right? Is the data telling me I should support this product, this this line item? But really, just you know, optimizing, trying to dive into the details because you have the data that's enabling you will help you make those better decisions. But I think sometimes these things become distractions. End of the day, They're distractions, you're trying to figure out this this you know silver bullet to solve it, but it may not be solvable. Maybe the driving the revenue is the answer in all these cases or driving people back more often. I mean, going back to the why of this, I remember you asked me back then, it's like, what are you focusing on right now with franchisees? I said, we're trying to get and keep more guests coming back more often. That's literally what we're trying to solve here because we were on the decline. And we were talking about these random ideas of, well, how could you do that? We all talked about it. We all wanted that, but we didn't have anything that could actually enable us to do that. So the resource and the tool like this could help me actually achieve that in a tangible manner. I was selling the vision, I was selling what they could do individually, um, but at the end of the day I didn't have data to back it up and I couldn't afford to get the data that I needed. No, could I afford then the labor it would take to mine all that and create the reporting and give me the picture that I needed at the time. So I, I think a lot of it is going to be part of the business. Can it be better when it comes to labor, food costs, retention, all that? Yes, but you may not be able to solve what the problem is and maybe the problem, maybe it's not a problem, maybe it's actually an opportunity to just focus on and driving those guests back more often.
2: Correct. Yeah, and I think that sales will, you know, if money can solve that problem, it's not a problem. So yeah. always generating more revenue. Who cares if food cost is 30 or 32%? It's, the difference is, like ignored, it's, you know, counting pinching. I feel like everybody's trying to pinch the pennies. They're, they're forgetting to look at the opportunity of, all right, let everybody else pinch that penny. Let me focus on top line revenue. Let me focus on that experience. Let me use this data and let me bring the customer back in, which then means I'm making more money. Just imagine if you increase sales by 150,000 at a 15% tip rate, that's $22,500 towards labor. Yeah. So now the staff is making an additional 22 and a thousand bucks, Like What do they want? They want to make more money, right? They, they want to earn more money in that restaurant business. So that solves that problem. Again, food costs will be variable. But if you're making 150000 on top-line revenue, you're not taking any increase in labor, rent, utilities, none of that. The only thing that goes up is your food costs. Yeah. The rest is straight
1: profit. Yeah. Well, so why this, not? This is something, if you think about it, we manage our businesses <laughs> based on percentages <laughs> of food costs and labor. Those percentages go down when you make more money. Right. That's make absolutely right. So yep. Stop spreading that detail because <clears throat> yeah. if you told somebody they're going to make this amount of money, a huge amount of money, and their, their labor costs and food costs were going to go down, right? but their overall costs were up, but the percentage was down. Most operators would be like, I'm good. As long yeah. as it's below my 30% right. on on, uh, on labor or whatever the cost or on uh, food costs or whatever, yeah. I'm good. Well, the reality is... That number may be bigger, but the percentage is lower because you're driving more top line sales. Yeah, cool. Sales solves everything, it mm-hmm. leverages the P&L. I right? right. anything at Brinker who were masterful at managing a P&L. The, 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 the thing I would say is it's tell tale of two cities, right? Management and growth. Operators are really good at managing p and I gotta mm-hmm. keep my food costs down, I gotta keep my labor in check, I gotta figure out how to manage my, my business. What they need to be thinking is that's just management. What I need to be thinking is growth opportunities and ideas in order to funnel that business to grow more and more and more. And that's the thing that Milagro offers, which I thought was very unique, which was the ability through simple, and I say simple direct marketing principles and direct consumer principles to drive the top line number. That's right. It solves that. And I think when operators hear this, they go, okay, wait, you guys have been talking about all this stuff, but how does it tangibly break down, Mm -hmm. right? Well, if you know your guests and you can communicate to them, and you can get 10 or 15% of them to come back just one time.
2: In 12 months. In 12 months,
1: it can drive hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to your top line and bottom line. Correct. It's not hard. These direct marketing principles have been invoked by millions and millions of companies. I agree. Now, maybe not in restaurant, but that's the power of retention.
0: Yeah, correct. And you know, obviously, uh, what, I, what I said earlier means that you've already done your homework and you've, you've evaluated your brand, you've evaluated your experience, and you're doing the best you can. And when you feel like you've reached that point and things still don't change when it comes to percentages or numbers, that's when it's clear. It's time to start focusing effort elsewhere. Right. Correct. Right? Yeah. And, and, and you got to look at the details. like How is your team perceiving their roles in the restaurant? Whatever the role is, how do they perceive it? Ask them that. Understand that. But you want it to make sure that's driving to the overall goal of, keeping more guests more often, driving the higher revenues. I mean, look at dinner last night you know, they offered a free experience to us, so to speak, by setting something on fire and yeah. four other tables within 30 minutes ordered Oh yeah, that exact that's right. Ink. Actually, that's true, and so, oh, the yeah. server, right? so the servers know that we are here to drive experience. And if we right. try to upsell by showing the example and modeling those behaviors, we know that other people are gonna be engaged Correct. by it. Yeah. So if you ask a server from last night what their role is, I'm sure it would have, it would, they would say something along the lines of creating a memorable experience, driving more revenue, upselling more items, something along those lines. But if you ask somebody in a restaurant today, and they just say, "Oh, I just ring people up," or "I'm just, I gotta go, I'm you know, clean that server. table," right? It's a different, it's a different mentality.
3: I, I love how this conversation just evolved by your initial, you know, managing costs, blah, 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 yeah. and it's basically summarizing too, And I always say this, and it was our, you know, secret sauce for many, many years, is as as a, as a company, you want to take care of your people and mm-hmm. your culture. And in this case is providing them, empowering them with the right information to be able to serve their guests with the right experience at a high level. And with your mm-hmm. guests are served through that experience, then they'll come and sip, spend more money with you. And mm-hmm. then that increases everything and improves everything. Right. So take care of your people, provide them the right information. They in turn serve your customers mm-hmm. to the highest level possible. And then your customers take care of your brand by coming back and spending more money with you.
2: I agree. It's like right. giving a screwdriver it's so to somebody. Obvious, right? yep. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obvious. Yeah. And in, in same, I mean, same goes for franchise brands, right? Sometimes, like, I, you know, people will challenge that in the franchising world, saying, well, how do you have, like, how can you get to that point? It's the same mentality, but you got to, as a franchisor, you have to look at your franchisees right. as that guest. Right. The franchisee is your paying guest. Yes. Right? We don't have that opportunity to serve those people coming in the doors, but they do. So it all rolls down, right? It has to be the exact same mentality, regardless if you're corporately ran or if you're a franchise.
1: I think the other powerful thing is uh, when we talk about Milagros in general, this organization is it's about empowering and helping the restaurateur, whether that's a franchise or a franchisee, whether it's a small restaurant company, whatever it is, to do just that, right? It, 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 I, I love the fact that we're level setting the playing field a little right. bit, right? If you have 50 to 100 million dollars to spend on tech innovations and do cool stuff, you're going to be successful, Sure. right? If you're not, shame on you, Right, right. right. But for the small guys that are playing here, I think one of the things that's so powerful is you can unlock their data, because they all have data, you can unlock it and help them grow to level the playing field so you don't have to be the wealthiest or the biggest player on the field to be successful. And th- and that's that's the secret sauce that I see this little organization changing the dynamic in the industry.
2: Agreed, yeah, and that's exactly where we're going, is giving empowering that restaurateur to to not have to, you know, you spend tens of millions of dollars at Brinker trying to kind of piecemeal this whole thing together. And yeah, the smaller guys, they just, they don't have, it, it's difficult to try to go out there. You know, I always say, you know, the restaurateur, you didn't just start a restaurant company and, and you went out there and said, you know what, I'm going to become the best technology company out there. It's like, no, I started a restaurant. So figuring out technology is very difficult, but it's absolutely crucial. Because if you don't, it puts you at a huge disadvantage. And I think that's where we come in. Uh, just let us worry about that stuff. And then you focus on operation, the guest experience, et cetera. And you have the information at your disposal. You're just not doing anything with it. You're ignoring it or you're not taking, it, you're not taking full advantage of that information.
0: Which comes back to the AI topic, but go so, ahead. I was going to say, you know, I was thinking back at a recent conference that I spoke at. And I was speaking a lot about technology, uh, just in terms of how it's evolved today, what it's doing for businesses. And it actually had the opposite effect on the audience because a lot of the audience were were like single to maybe a couple unit operation when it comes to restaurants. And it came down to being able to afford these great ideas that we're talking about. And if you could provide something like what Milagro will do and, and is doing, it can reignite that passion that already exists in the industry but may have been damaged a little bit after the pandemic because they're seeing all these brands around them who may be bigger, have bigger budgets, do these amazing things that are interacting with guests differently, it's providing more accessibility, it's creating more relevancy, and it can be discouraging if I can't afford what they have, right? But if we can provide this to them and educate them that, hey, there is a service that can accomplish what the big players are doing, that's gonna reignite that passion. It's It's gonna bring people back to the industry in a way that's gonna drive higher revenues, better experiences, all those things will get better because now they feel like they do have a chance in this new technology-driven world. They
1: resist the change because they can't afford it, they don't know how to use it, and they think the the battle's lost before they even got on the field. If you can help them understand it's not lost, you have a treasure trove of data, we can help you unlock it, and you can actually compete, if not beat, the big players, because the big players down the road actually don't provide as unique and boutique experience that you do to your guests. If you can unlock that, you're ahead. That's the amazing thing. When I've looked at the data over time and the shrinking pie in family dining and casual dining and some of these other players, the, the independents are the ones that usually take the beating. They're the ones that are, the pie is shrinking and the chains are taking share. That's gotta change. And, and this could be the, this is, in my opinion, the way that they're gonna take share back because they're gonna unlock the, the knowledge of the customers and they're gonna be able to empower the frontline staff to be able to provide optimal experiences. And, and I think that's the difference.
2: Yeah, you don't have to go out there and spend 30 million bucks, build this whole thing, or hire the resources, all that stuff to manage it. We've already done that legwork. It just, let us do what we do best. You do what you do best. And I think that, you know, for us, and I always look at it as a partnership. Like we wanna partner with restaurants. We don't wanna be a vendor to the restaurant. If you have a problem, we wanna talk about that problem. What are the issues? In fact, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday it's like, well, we're, you know, we're having these problems with these like hostesses and like getting a young person to come in and like they're just not paying attention, they're making mistakes, et cetera. It's like, well, have you considered doing this? Or have you considered doing that? And having that conversation with them, informing them of the options it goes back to you don't know what you don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't know that there's a solution, you're not looking for that solution. You're just like, hey, that's the way it is.
1: Right? Well, and in lieu of not having an, a different way to do it, they just keep doing. They just keep doing the same thing Over harder and now, harder yeah. and more aggressively. And and you and you you you, right you, you kind of yeah you 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 look at them and you and you feel sorry for them because they're trying so hard, but the answer is actually just just to the right of where they're looking or just to the left of where you're looking and they've got to be able to put that together.
2: Stay tuned for the next one. We hope that you found the information to be valuable.